to Ponta Vista Socialist Club, episode 39. I am Andrew, and I'm here with Ben. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very curious. Uh, all I can hear in my headphones is my neighbour's whippersnipper, and uh, <laughs> I don't really know how much that is coming through for you guys, but it is, is powerful on my end. Well, interestingly, um, I can hear all the cicadas around your house, but no whippersnipper. So. I, uh, demonstrably... The whippersnipper is far louder than the cicadas, and I don't know how that's happening, but I assume there is some magical quality to these specific cicadas outside my house that yeah. make them go on podcast recordings. Either that or the interior of your apartment is littered with crickets, all making noise right now. Either way, uh, we'll never know. I'm also joined by Lucy. Hi. We call them, we call them cicadas. Here that's in Victoria, a and it sounds joke. funny. Sounds funny to me when you say cicada, but uh, I feel like majority majority may rule in this scenario. Oh, yeah. I was just doing that for the other guys in Canberra. We call them cicadas. Chichada. I wish it the was old, the old chichadays. <laughs> uh, and of course, of course, we have um, lovely Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm acceptable. <laughs> I'm perfectly cromulent. I feel like you were taken off guard because no one ever asks how you're doing. Yeah, that's right. I am the, I'm the mother of the podcast, um, doing everybody's emotional and physical labor for them. I feel like Venary- I ask my mum how she's doing. <laughs> Hi, mum. How are you? Also, have you had a chance to do my laundry? Uh... Does, I'm assuming your mother doesn't do your laundry, Ben, and it'd be, it'd be extravagantly weird. expensive to ship it there. And the logistics, yeah. uh, it wouldn't just be good. A, just a nightmare. Logistical nightmare. Uh, so, today we are having a revisit. A revisit of a recurring segment, and this is only the second recurrence of it. Uh, the very second installment of the dipshit dossier. Uh, the very first instalment was dear friend of the show, Miranda Devine, dipshit of the highest order. Uh, we've covered her exploits in a fair bit of detail on this show. I'm sure you'd all be familiar with her and how very, very silly her opinions are. And we thought, uh, who's who's someone else whose very silly opinions we could cover? Now, the first person that came to mind uh, was Andrew Bolt, although Ben pointed something out about that. Didn't you, Ben? Uh, yeah, his, his dad died. Uh, very which, recently. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm very, you know, people are very quick to humanise people whose the the output of their work generally like negatively affects people. People sort of ignore that if they display any sign of humanity or whatever. So normally I'm not super about that, but holy fuck, uh, Bolt did a seven to nine minute monologue about his relationship with his dad and his dad's inability to communicate that he loved him and their estrangement and how this affected Bolt's own relationship with his kids. And he tears up quite a few times and I watched it and was just devastated. It is the, it, oh, uh, very sad stuff. So I was not hugely inclined uh, a week after that happened to be like, hey, here's all the times you were a cunt. Uh, Mm. So we'll do that next week. Kind of took the shine off the idea of just heaping shit on him for an hour. Yeah, and I mean, he still deserves to have uh, 
shit heaped on him by all means. He's not a good person. His net impact on the world is very bad. Uh, mm. But whew, I'm going to give him some some time to grieve because it sounds like he's having uh, a pretty bad time. Give him a little little window of uh, respect for his his in his time of mourning, and we'll come back to call him a huge dipshit at a later point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so instead, we thought, who else? Who else is a big big old dipshit? And um, there are a lot of there are a lot of usual suspects that we could have gone through here. Um, there is uh, Mark Latham, of course. Um, although I do feel like we've spent a fair bit of time talking about him on the show. There's also um, Dear Sweet Caleb and Daisy, mm-hmm. uh, Starcrossed, um, <laughs> Starcrossed, uh, unrequited friends. I guess I would say Starcrossed lovers, but that, that ain't going both ways. That whole deal. Uh, but we've also talked about them a fair bit too. We've covered their, their articles and their foolishness in depth. Um, but someone did spring to mind, um, particularly with a piece that came out in the last day or two. And that was a journalist. You can't see me waving my fingers around <laughs> doing, doing air quotes around my head wildly. Um, Caroline Marcus. Uh, who, does, who does she write for, Ben? Who does she do things for? Uh, well, currently, I believe she's a, a presenter on Sky News, um, uh, but she, like everyone that's a fucking turd in Australia, uh, has a <laughs> column for the Daily Telegraph, and if it's not for the Telegraph, of course, it's for the Herald Sun. Uh, uh, but yeah, so she's a huge piece of shit. She's been a reporter for Channel 9, uh, Sunday Telegraph, the Sun Herald, a uh, newspaper in Singapore, uh, the Sunday Mail, she's all great collection of places. She was also a, quote, unquote journalist uh for a current affair she's generally very unpleasant person uh and she sort of sprung to mind because uh she sort of kicked off this week's focus on uh south african reverse racism (laughs) uh which has just been absolutely wonderful so there's there's a whole a lot to this in that it's been a big talking point of the alt-right for like a number of years and just with the right in general for quite a long time because this is the perfect sort of thing that they want uh, which is of course to say that reverse racism is real and that white people are victims too and that uh, they can't be racist against refugees because not all refugees are white Uh, sorry non-white can I I just take a can I take a quick moment though just to just to diverge into the thing that jumps out at me every time that this stuff comes up which is um reverse racism isn't a thing it still isn't a thing if you're talking about uh you know people in africa who are prejudiced against other people in africa because of the color of their skin it's still just racism it's just regular old racism that's fine like it's it's a weird sort of like um accidentally showing your cards kind of maneuver to well so theoretically the way that you could use the term reverse racism in a way that made sense is that uh, like a full understanding of racism is that it comes from uh, a, a power imbalance, right? So it's it's race-based oppression from a position of greater power, not just singling out people by race. So in theory, reverse racism would be like, oh, well, whites are still the major- majority, but, you know, we won't let them speak on panels 100% or whatever, right? Uh, But 
I mean, for right-wing people to acknowledge that usage of the term, they would have to acknowledge that that is how racism works, that it comes from power structures, that it's not just, you know, it's not racist to be like, hey, you're a white person, you can't come to our POC-only book club or whatever. They would have to, if they thought reverse racism was real, they'd have to be like, oh, okay, well, that's not really racism, right? Well, that's that's kind of my point, though, is that is that it's sort of starting from a position of, oh, well, white people have a monopoly on racism and then other people try and flip it around and use it against us, the pros. (laughs) And we call that reverse racism. (laughs) People try and hold up a mirror to the racism that we're we're the best at. It's a a very strange thing to me because, like, I don't know, it it particularly, it, it seems like a thing that people have generally stopped saying as well, like reverse racism as a thing. Um, even it seems like even a lot of right-wing conservative people would now just say, ah, well, aren't you the real racist here? About, you know, whatever silly examples they've got. Um, but yeah, the, the reverse racism thing to me just seems, it seems like an almost childish level of, of appreciation of the nuances of, of race relations and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. It's proper silly. It's proper silly. That's all. It's very silly. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that that was all kicked off by her writing this article um, for I believe it was the telly. Uh, reverse racism real and deadly in South Africa. Uh, which so the contention is well, so here's the opening paragraphs. Uh, anyone who still denies reverse racism is real needs to look at what's happening in South Africa. White farmers are being tortured, gang-raped and slaughtered in their own homes in terrifying numbers. The situation has become so bleak, being a farmer in South Africa is now the world's most dangerous job. There are no official figures. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really like that to go from, is yeah. now the most world's dangerous job to, and we like that's based on nothing, by the way. Yeah, we got no, we got no data. So where they get the data from, because, oh, so this is it. It's, there are no official figures, thanks to a highly corrupt local government and police force. Yeah, it's more uh, of a feeling. Which I mean, <laughs> not true. Like the 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 fact checking on this has been that there's not really any data on it because they don't record racial statistics for these sorts of crimes. But no, that's fine. Uh, but the figure they do cite is that the country's commercial farmers puts uh, sorry the the farm murder rate is 138 people per 100,000, and those that data comes from the Transvaal Agricultural Union, which is like explicitly. Uh, a syndicate for the interests of white farmers uh, with some pretty racially charged support. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's not it's not hugely trustworthy. Uh, this sort of shit came up first in like 2016 with Mike Cernovich bringing it up, uh, which he got absolutely reamed for. Uh, Africa Check, just like a fact-checking website for stuff that happens in Africa. Uh, came at him and just said that no organisation has declared that there is a white genocide underway in the country. Uh, claims of white genocide are fre- frequently attributed to Genocide Watch, an organisation created to predict, prevent, stop and punish genocide and other forms of mass murder. But the organisation has publicly stated that the white genocide is not underway in South Africa. Uh, no other organisation has warned of a genocide or impending genocide in South Africa. This includes both the United Nations Office on Genocide Prevention and the Responsibility to Project... Uh, and the atrocity forecasting project. So <laughs> it's it's what a, what a place to work. The atrocity forecasting project <laughs> sounds pretty grim. 
Ugh, the Bureau of Atrocities. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a canode for a while, but Australia has just sunk its teeth into it. Uh, like two days after Marcus's column went up, Miranda Divide did almost exactly the same column, uh, but this time angry at Peter Dutton. Oh, uh, not, not being racist enough. Yeah. Get it together, Peter. More or less. Uh, well, um, so her the crux of her article was that Australia is not acting on it because the refugees are white. Um, some wonderful stuff in here. Uh, this is a rancid betrayal of Australians who thus far have backed a generous refugee program that favours Muslim and African refugees because it, our, it is our duty as good global citizens to help the oppressed. But if our oppressed white, Christian, industrious, rugby and cricket playing Commonwealth cousins from South Africa who would integrate seamlessly and not afforded the same <laughs> compassion and taxpayer largesse, it will undermine, undermine our entire immigration program. It will make people suspect it's de- designed deliberately to change Australian culture. I mean, we can probably find room in the torture camps for some white South Africans. Oh, 100%. <laughs> As a policy, I mean, I think we really should be uh, applying that rule fairly. <laughs> and, um, I agree. <laughs> we should. We should, um, you know, mix things up in there a little. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want a, I want our um illegal refugee torture camps to have a real Abercrombie and Fitch look about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's equality, folks. But there's um, I think the thing on this that I'm focusing on uh is after she lists all of those weird things about South Africans, uh the way she says uh that they would integrate hang on oh yeah it will make people suspect it's designed deliberately to change Australian culture like so the implication there is that we're deliberately trying to bring in only non-whites is she implying that the government is trying to do white genocide to Australia she would be she would be implying that Oh. oh, and if there's if there's anyone we can accuse of being complicit in um, the grand conspiracy of white genocide, it's fucking Peter Dutton. Absolutely, <laughs> of course, of course, he's just playing his cards really close to the his man chest. hates whites. I saw a um, uh, I cannot remember exactly where this was, but I, I saw a really dumb exchange a while ago about um about like numbers of of refugees from countries and that kind of thing, and it was somebody making the oh, we should just, we should close off immigration um, kind of argument. And I was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we let in X number of people and other people are saying they want to increase the humanitarian intake. But you should ask those people, would you accept 2 million refugees from that company, um, from that country a year? Or would you accept 10 million refugees from that country a year? If they say no, then you know that the whole thing's furphy. And... It was just kind of, it was kind of like well that's a that's very silly um they said oh you know it's it, there's just been some arbitrarily picked number at which people can argue that you know it's not gonna it's not gonna overwhelm everybody and i just thought well, what what planet are you living on where you think that there isn't any actual thought put into the idea of like how how big our various refugee allotments are and how much we increase it by every year and how many people we bring in and everything like there there are absolutely a lot of people myself included who think that we could increase our humanitarian intake significantly 
But, but Andrew, you're going to put them in your own house. That's right. I didn't right. fucking think so. Are you willing Are you to put to let 5 million people live in your house? <laughs> oh, you don't have room for them? Hmm. Well, what a happy coincidence. I love that argument. I love when they're like, oh, you wouldn't let them in your house. It's like, yes, I would. <laughs> well, like, yeah, it's, it's of course a lot one of, of them can would. stay in my house. Like, I was actually, um, I was talking to uh, Tim uh, uh, Burgerdrome, a lovely union man who's been on a couple of times now. I was talking to him today about, uh, he was reading a, a, a Jordan Peterson interview oh God, in why? which he was talking about Alan Joyce. Um, the CEO of Qantas, the Australian airline. And uh, he, the gist of what he was saying was, oh, well, you know, who knows what reason they're doing it for, all of this inclusive talk, all of this, all of this you know, could just be virtue signaling, it could be, they could be kowtowing to the Marxist hordes and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it's going to come back to haunt them and they'll reap what they sow and all this sort of thing. My first thought was like, it's it's just interesting when you see people like this. So many conservatives where they are genuinely just incapable of fathoming the idea that there are people who just think that there are like, you know, social goods that are worth doing, that it's worth doing something for someone who isn't yourself. There always has to be this ulterior motive. There has to be a mass worldwide conspiracy of you know, cultural Marxism and white genocide and stuff like that. It's not It's not just that people are, like, you know, working in a business and saying, yeah, maybe we should stop discriminating against people of different sexualities or that maybe a government would look and say, yeah, maybe we should try and help these people who are being slaughtered by their own government and desperately trying to flee their country. Like, for some reason, there's always got to be some big conspiratorial ulterior motive... You know, somebody's pulling the strings. Um, it, the globalist like agenda. The globalist agenda. And and that just loops right back around to what you're saying, Ben. Um, Miranda Devine immediately connecting this to, it'll make people suspect that it's designed deliberately to change Australian culture. Which uh, is because it couldn't, it couldn't possibly just be. It couldn't possibly just be that, you know, people get prioritized from countries on the basis of the horrifying conflicts that are there and the fact that we are able to take them in. Yeah, and, and um, the reason that most of our refugees are people of colour, uh, wouldn't you believe, is because uh, most of the fucking terrible shit in the world happens to people of colour. That's hmm. an incredible, uh, like, from A to B um, <laughs> navigation that they can't put together. I think you'll find it's actually George Soros. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, uh, and it then got pretty gross uh, when Peter Dutton got involved with Miranda Devine, didn't it, Ben? Yes, it sure did. Um, because this country is a fucking joke, uh, like 20 hours after uh, Devine's column went up, uh, Dutton reared his horrible fucking bonts on her uh, live show. Um, and told the 10 listeners uh, that <laughs> he was planning to uh, immediately address her concerns, which honestly, like, that's that's like a three or four day turnaround for government policy, right? Which is fucking insane. Um, 
But anyway, he, he hopped on there, said that they'd be fast-tracking, or well, looking into fast-tracking visas for white South African farmers, uh, and played into the same dog whistle bullshit that Divine was doing, just very explicitly, like it's not even subtle at all. Uh, the people we're talking about want to work hard and they want to contribute to a country like Australia. We want people who want to come here, abide by our laws, integrate into our society, work hard, not lead a life on welfare. And I think these people deserve special attention and we're certainly applying that special attention now. So what makes them different? I just, I can't pick it. What's the <laughs> It's hard to put your finger on it, isn't mm. it? Can't mm. figure it out. I, mm. Mm. It could be anything. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Everybody I'm stroking everybody my chin here, like the thinker. Scratching their heads. We all look like uh, slow chimps. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not subtle, is it? It's no. less of a dog whistle and more of a, like a doggy foghorn kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a an air horn, but the red red bit on top is a bone shape. It's um, it's. He's at the top of the bell tower, frantically uh, <laughs> whacking the racism bell. <laughs> <laughs> Come and get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I did say to somebody today about this that um, you know they said, oh, it's just a reflection of how how this government is ignoring all of all of this genocide going on around the world. And I said, I don't even think it's that. I don't even think it's a matter of them acknowledging one conflict or one you know genocide real or otherwise um over another i think that doesn't even play into it if they were interested in the idea of helping people out who were stuck in the middle of genocidal conflicts uh they wouldn't be doing things like trying to repatriate rohingya people yeah Um, and uh, that's a that's a very good point specifically uh dear friend of the show josh butler from the huffington post was uh going through some of dutton's old statements he's given about uh immigration for refugees it was one about rohingya people where he was saying uh pretending somehow that we are placed to take every displaced person around our region is a complete misrepresentation of reality uh there was another one where uh uh, Immigration Minister Peter Dutton has defended the government's decision not to resettle the thousands of Rohingya and Burmese asylum seekers at the centre of the escalating migrant crisis, saying Australia is not in a position to help every displaced person in the world. Uh, but of course, uh, apparently, it's not exactly like like South Africa is in our region either. No. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I said to this person that I didn't think at all it was anything to do with any of these. Uh, genocidal conflicts or you know placing one over the other I think it's intended as nothing other than an extremely loud dog whistle to the base oh it's just um, messaging to say yeah yeah, it's to say uh, look who we look after we look after our own we look after people like us he's very explicitly saying we want people who are like us who have the same values as us who will fit right in and yeah it's, it's extremely unsubtle the thing here is that this is exactly like the, um, you know, people in Melbourne are scared to go out and eat dinner because the African people, crime, what have you. Whereas mm. this is a demonstrably disprovable thing. You know, like the, the statistics around uh, farm murders in South Africa are still very sort of muddied. The, whether or not it's actually racially skewed has yet to be proven by anyone trustworthy. And it's, yeah, it's all a lot of conjecture, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, the statistics around African crime, 
was a 10% drop in crime uh, in Melbourne over last mm. year. Like, uh, it just doesn't fucking matter because none of this is about whether or what he said was true or not. This is, I mean, this is the same way Trump operated, right? You say something insanely stupid that your audience wants to hear and they fucking hoot and holler and then schmucks like us fucking scramble to be like, uh, actually, I think you'll find that's uh, made up. And then that never gets to them. They never hear that. No, they're just like leaning on the horn, like honking at you, <laughs> calling you a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so it's, I mean, he wins. They do stuff like this and there's no checks and balances. It doesn't matter. People can be like, hey, man, that's super racist. And they'll just be like, oh, no, it isn't. And then like wink at their voters and be like, it is. It's racist. <laughs> Yeah, I, actually, this does remind me. Um, when Tony Abbott was prime minister in his gloriously ill-fated um, run, where it was cut short, we all we all know it was going to be successful and super legendary, and then the haters cut him down, mm. which is unfair. Um, but I seem to remember that when he was PM, that there was that that they had similar talk at the time about. Um, Christian Christian refugees in Syria was that Syria? Was it Syria? It was it, it Syria, was, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a Middle Eastern region. They were talking about like, yeah, specifically um, that they, they were saying, oh, you know, the the Christian people in this part of the world are some of the most persecuted people on the planet, and so they'd simultaneously been making all of these excuses and reasons and justifications as to why. We we essentially weren't going to take any extra um, any extra refugees from Syria during the middle of of this massive crisis and huge exodus of people from that country. Um, a lot of other countries around the world were stepping up and saying, you know, we'll take tens of thousands of people, like Australia itself did during you know Vietnam and and instead. Uh, they said, oh, we sh- what we should really focus on is this extra small minority of Christians, the, the one group in, you know, in these many diverse peoples who are all trying to flee this country who share the one characteristic with us, basically. And not even us, just him. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, exactly. It's not, it's not, you know, we don't have a national religion. We don't, we're not part of the, no, a secular the crown society. kind of thing, you know, it's, yeah. It did. It did make me wonder today. Like, I mean, in a, in a completely futile manner, it did make me wonder. Um, like, how how obvious does a minister or a prime minister have to make um, have to make it that their decisions are largely governed by their completely personal faith, their personal religion, before you say, all right, you're clearly not capable of operating in this role in a capacity. For representing, you know, the country, you're purely looking after people just like you. But that's kind of the Liberal Party slogan, anyway. So, right, and I mean, let's not worry I about that. A, a my point though was going to be, people my point was going to be though that I don't think, like, does anybody remember them actually following through on that and doing anything for Christian people in Syria and prioritizing them and bringing bringing a bunch of them in, or was it basically just like this, where they just wanted to get on the old racism loud hailer? And say, hey, everybody, you know what we should do is look after all these nice white Christian folk who probably speak English and wouldn't wouldn't be too scary if they moved in next door to you. Um, and then they don't actually do it. And, uh, of course, I suspect that this South African farmer thing will, will go very much the same way. Uh, that they'll talk a whole bunch of shit about it, to essentially to make people mad. 
and then just not not do that because Dutton's whole deal is just keeping people out of the country. Yeah, and I mean that that will have still worked perfectly for them. That's mm. that's all they wanted. Uh, I should note that today um, I made a a a white African gentleman extremely mad at me yeah, on the did. internet. Yeah, you oh, did. He was so mad. He didn't stop being mad for like eight hours. Typical South African, really. <laughs> he got super mad um, because I, I I posted, you know, this article that we are talking about now um, about Peter Dutton and those specific comments about, oh, we want people who want to be part of a country like Australia and won't just sit around on welfare and all that kind of thing and said, is there any way that this can be interpreted as anything other than, oh, we want these people specifically because, you know, they're, they're white and maybe they speak English. Um, I then, in the replies to somebody else, made a throwaway joke about the, the, a white person with a South African accent always sounding, uh, as there's nothing more disgusting to me than a white man with a thick South African accent. <laughs> nothing more disgusting and villainous, I said. Um, and this guy got very mad and said, you're calling people disgusting. That's a horrible, dehumanizing thing. And I said, well, it's, it, you know, it's a joke. It's a joke about how movies like A Lethal Weapon and that kind of thing. Um, you know, just the, they, all, they all posed South African people as immigrants in the, uh, sorry, not immigrants, as, as villains in the 80s. Uh, obviously, I don't actually feel like that. It's a gag. Hey, how about in, Cha- how about in Chappie when it got flipped around? Uh, and it was in South Africa. The bad guy was an Australian with a mullet, little shorts. And it's like, well, that's not funny to me. You're being, being very discriminatory. And I said, uh, I feel like it is funny though. Well, they are. <laughs> look, they are famously look, humorless. <laughs> well, and, and like, and I said, well, look, clearly that's, like, it's it's, you know, I said, I, I generally I would hope that when I really over-exaggerate something it makes it clear that it's a joke you know um, and that's not what I was even talking about what I was talking about was that clearly our conservative government is is prioritizing people on on this basis rather than the other um, and he said well me and my family didn't get brought to Australia by a conservative government it was my father's dream to come here and he had to look at dead bodies and go and kind of kept going and I was like didn't really insinuate uh, that that's how your family came here because this news story is from about six hours ago. So it's pro- it probably doesn't relate to your dad, I guess. Um, so basically what he proved, white, white Africans, villainous. They are villainous. He's just proven it. He didn't know it was exaggerated because he knows it's true. He didn't read it, though, your tweet and be like, oh, he's exaggerating it for effect. He was like, South Africans like, are disgusting. Uh, uh, he's us. God damn it. He's onto us. Exactly. Uh, fr- friend of the show, um, Carl, friend of the show and dear patron Carl, uh, said, ooh, I'm feeling very attacked right now in a, in a joking way because he got that it was a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. Well, lighten up, buddy. Jeez. Yeah, lighten up, mate. Lighten up. Jeez. You got a sickening, sickening language. Afrikaans. <laughs> disgusting language. <laughs> The barks of an work, angry dog. Used to work, used to work in an office. There's just like one South African guy there, and every time there was a big meeting, and this dude would get up and like ask the CEO a question, I'd just be like, "What nefarious plot is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here?" 
It's just a hideous language, double vowels, Satan's language, <laughs> satanic. And he knows it. He they, knows it. They took Dutch and they made it worse. They did. <laughs> they did the impossible. <laughs> oh, to any, um, to any white fans of the show with thick African accents, <laughs> just just take it easy. Just take it easy. Don't. Just take it don't, easy. Don't wild out. Don't, don't wild, wild out. out on those double vowels. Yeah. Unless, One vowel's uh, enough. Unless you're listening to this in your home in South Africa right now as a wild uh, gang is, is bashing in the door. You're huddled together with your family and this is the last thing you hear, in which case, ugh, sorry. Ugh. ugh. Yeah, I wish we'd said something nicer, but... Bad, bad timing. That's all I can say. Mm. Nothing we can do about it. We can't stop saying it now. Now we're stuck. Now we're stuck like this. So we should probably get away from that and wheel back around to Carol and Marcus. Certainly. Uh, and I've handily prepared another article. Uh, this one is dated May 24th, 2016. Caroline Marcus. I'm a migrant and Peter Dutton is right. Uh, <laughs> visual gag for the audience. Caroline Marcus is the whitest person you have ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> uh, so she... Uh, is her family are, are white migrants from Singapore? Uh, they are not from Singapore. Sorry, they migrated from Singapore. Uh, they came from oh, fucking somewhere else first. They're blonde. They're, they're probably Hitler, the Hitler Netherlands. Looking Hi, uh, so apparently, uh, well, at some stage they left communist era Romania. Uh, so <laughs> it's got that sweet Romanian blood that we all crave. Um, <laughs> So this is her essentially trying the conservative version of identity politics, which is being like, hey, I'm a migrant, so I can say this about migrants. Um, so this was after Dutton, uh, you know, there was that big thing in 2016 where Dutton said that, you know, most migrants are illiterate and can't work. Uh, and then every single person whose parents or grandparents or whatever came from anywhere was just like, shut the fuck up. Oh, uh, that was uh, Australia's shithole countries moment, wasn't it? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> uh, so this was her response to Bill Shorten slamming Dutton's comments. What tosh? A word <laughs> only conservatives would use. Uh, Rack em. Far from the stereotype of the Aryan Southern Cross tattooed, Pauline Hanson voting, bigot ranting against immigration, concerns about how Australia will realistically fund the integration and support of and support of huge numbers of refugees are held by residents from all walks of life, including many though? migrants like myself. <laughs> You're so white. Uh, she's she's just like, and I'll have you know, I don't even have a Southern Cross tattoo. <laughs> And then, like, so she starts off by being like, oh, you know, we're just concerned about blah, 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 And then the second paragraph is, of course, it's not just the economic impact, but potential threats to national security. Exhibit A, Paris. Exhibit B, Brussels. Both terror attacks committed by jihadis who'd slipped to those cities hidden within streams of refugees or failed to assimilate. Um, hang, hang on. <laughs> So the, it's like it's going back to what you said that where like you can just say anything. anything you don't have to like. back it up. And by the time anyone's pulled them up on this, you know, of course it's like fucking yeah. I mean the 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 Paris attacks were uh, Paris nationals, right? 
um, or, or French French nationals. But it doesn't matter. No, no, no. And and oh, it's because sorry. This is what that clause is when she said they they slipped into those cities hidden within streams of refugees or failed to assimilate. So mm. anyone is potentially oh, anyone. This, yeah, yeah. As she, long as yeah they, they they slipped in with with other brown people. Yes. Yeah. And then a generation later, they continued to be brown against her wishes. <laughs> it's it, it's like oh. It's like the person of color version of Assassin's Creed. You know, when you walk around with the crowds and that animation plays and you're now in blending in Oh, mode. you're doing the cool mm. one where you're like yeah. rushing past people looking dope? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you just slip in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for terror attacks. Pre- press A to assimilate. <laughs> uh, she ends on just... Oh, I think there's something that sums this up so wonderfully. Uh, while we should do what we can to help the world's needy, there's nothing compassionate about policies which invite people to hand over their savings to people smugglers and risk drowning, or if they survive, end up in detention. Nor is there anything morally superior about advocating resettlement programs the country can ill afford. I think it there still actually is something morally superior about trying to resettle people to save their lives. And, and also, you know, close but no potato there we're like oh yeah, yeah you know yeah we sh- we shouldn't the taxpayer shouldn't be paying for these offshore uh detention centers y- yes correct yeah well done yeah it costs us more money uh and uh is a larger risk to us than just letting them stay so mm. Mm. well al- also the idea of there's nothing compassionate about pol- policies which you know have people wind up in a horrifying detention center like yeah, almost like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, well, you know, if yeah, if they do that, then they're gonna wind up in this big pot of shit at yeah. the end of the rainbow, I, which which we might have had something to do. I'm with gonna spin my around. arms around, and there's nothing compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> if you I'm walk start into kicking. my arms, I'm start kicking, and there's. If you get in the way, there's gonna be nothing compassionate about it. <laughs> oh god, so. <laughs> It's very, it's very, very silly. I mean, and and as well. I mean, um, nor is there anything morally superior about advocating resettlement programs the country can ill afford. We currently spend billions of dollars on running these um, these camps in you know third party countries. Well, I mean, I guess is is there something morally superior about paying uh, tens of millions of dollars to? Cambodia to take well, what was it like six eight refugees and then they all left uh, yes I can't remember the exact numbers it was single digits yeah, it was mm-hmm. not a lot of people we paid something like uh, it was in the ballpark if I remember correctly probably don't um, it was something in the ballpark of like 55 million dollars that we wound up paying to have uh, zero uh, refugees stay in Cambodia uh, I think eventually it was like two of them were there in the end, and then they both said, "Ah, fuck it, let's just go home." But so, of course, like that doesn't matter. The, right? Yeah, the, matter. the the idea of affordability is fucking ridiculous. But I'm sure if you asked any of these people, that they would say that um, it's only by spending these billions of dollars on keeping hundreds of people in horrifying uh, diseased torture camps uh, that we then managed to stop the the hordes you know the unwashed hordes from from following their example did she did she i missed the part um earlier maybe ben's paraphrasing or whatever did, did she go to the torture camps oh yes that is uh that's coming up 
Um, oh god. But first. Oh, first. Oh boy. Uh, I'll read this <laughs> heading to you as I wrote it in there. The fucking fat suit. Oh my god. <laughs> Just fucking oh god. sensational. Uh, it is this one. very much worth noting that I could not pull up the article for this because it has been scrubbed from the Daily Telegraph and scrubbed from news.com.au where it was reposted. Although the Facebook posts on the Daily Telegraph sharing it are still very much up. Uh, the headline of this chance, uh, sorry, of this article is A Big Fat Chance of a Fair Go for Some. Uh, it is accompanied by the single funniest image <laughs> in the history of visual media. A very forlorn looking Caroline Marcus standing in, I think she was in King's Cross, maybe I might have made that up, uh, wearing the least convincing fat suit you have ever seen. <laughs> Uh, this is the caption with which it was posted. Uh, when our yeah, reporter Caroline Marcus thing. donned a fat suit, she didn't expect to be shunned by society. Do you think white <laughs> discrimination exists? So, okay. This is well, there, fucking... there is another photo partway down the article, and the caption on that one is just, journalist Caroline Marcus in a fat suit. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. This is, uh, this is on the same sort of level as, like, uh, we got, Two white dudes to wear burkas for a day to see what the, you know, whatever. Like, just fucking talk to people. Like, find people that have actually experienced and lived this discrimination every day of their lives. And, you know, struggling with it, what have you. Like, just fucking find them. You don't have to get this, like, four and a half foot tall, tiny woman to fucking do this for you. Oh, God, there was this thing where... uh, uh, there was a an ancillary article to this one where she spoke about the social impacts. In the same week, she also tried to do like a day of work wearing um, weights on her to simulate the physical effects of it. And there's a line in there where she's like, uh, I had to wear 25 kilos, which is just below half my weight. Very small woman. <laughs> she's a tiny. She just wants to tell us all that she's skinny. I don't know yep. what's wrong with weighing that much. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear weighted shoes to stop you from being picked up by a strong brace. <laughs> That's and what's they've wrong given with me this. knee problems, so <laughs> you can't can't laugh at this. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. So this was just the greatest story of the world. Clearly, uh, she got dunked for it so many times uh, that it was just. Uh, they just deleted it off the site. Um, and anytime she talks about being a real journalist, the best thing in the world is just to post her a screenshot of that article. It's incredible. <sighs> Caroline Marcus is in a fat suit. I do remember reading the article, and what I what I really liked about it, and again, it shows you the um, the kind of perspective that she's looking at things from, um, and basically that she that she just so, like saw the whole thing through the lens of like oh and some guys laughed at me and called me fat and none of them even tried to have sex with me or <laughs> none of them <laughs> tried to pick me up uh so all really silly um, absolutely ridiculous so the next one i've got isn't necessarily something bad that she said it's just I, I, this sentence is fucking incredible to me uh there's a bit of a build up to it so uh, 
Get ready for it. Um, so the article is titled, uh, I'm marrying the love of my life, but I'm keeping my own name. Blah, 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 blah. Something, something, something. But this simply begs the question why it's automatically presumed children will take their father's name. Of course, feminism isn't the only factor at play for me. Many other women in my line of work retain their names, at least for professional purposes, considering they represent an important part of our brands. I also happen to be quite fond of the name Marcus, although if it were to, if it were something like Bottomcock, I doubt I'd be as strident in my views. <laughs> what? I have to agree with you, Caroline Marcus. Bottomcock would be a very funny last name, and I would probably change it. No, actually, I would keep it. Benjamin Bottomcock. Oh, I, I'd marry a oh. Bottomcock. It's <laughs> hilarious. I'm getting that changed immediately. Oh, I feel like um. I feel like it'd be a really different movie if it was called The Curious Case of Benjamin <laughs> Bottomcock. Oh, I've seen that. It's 90 minutes of just wall-to-wall hardball action. Uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, what's next, Ben? Uh, we've got uh, the time that she was forced to apologise to Channel 9 for saying that they knew Ben McCormick was a pedophile but didn't act on it. Uh, so what she said was executive producer Grant Williams had suspicions about McCormick before his arrest and had tried to get rid of him, but was unable to. And then in her apology, she said, neither Sky News or I intended to suggest that was the case and apologise for any hurt or embarrassment. So I just, I really love that of being like, here's this thing I'm explicitly saying. And then a day later being like, well, yep, I did not mean to say that. (laughs) Uh, All of those words, I thought they meant different things. But then you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So I've heard that's true. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Sort of related to that. Um, apparently, massive pedophile Ben McCormick uh, had been tormenting Marcus for her Jewish ancestry. It's a story. Uh, wow. Saying that um, uh, embattled former current affair report. I would go further than embattled. Uh, incarcerated, <laughs> incarcerated, yeah. for battled, imprisoned. Yeah, uh, allegedly taught her about a Jewish heritage as a work colleague. Uh, Caroline Marcus says that she endured harassment from McCormick, who last week pled guilty to two child porn charges when they worked together at Nine Network in Sydney, as revealed by Daily Mail in Australia in April. McCormick's ex-colleagues have said that the former ACA reporter, now 43, draped his desk in offensive pictures, including one likening Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to Adolf Hitler. So that's a spicy meatball. Where's hmm. uh, the lie? <laughs> please retract that immediately before we get sued. I was going to say, uh, we're not going to turn into a Netanyahu defense podcast, but uh, it's still not a, it's not a great look. I mean, yeah, that's just... Uh, if there was more detail there drawing a line between, I'd be interested to see how that worked. Was it just being like her, him pointing at her and being like, hey, this is you. You're Benjamin Netanyahu, who is Hitler? Is that... I, I'm not really sure about that one, but that's that's fine. I feel like her general suggestion is, um, hey, I knew that Ben McCormick was a pedophile and you guys didn't do anything. I mean, that's a good one. <sighs> uh, speaking of, great views. of that, has anyone seen Mute? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I've no, been meaning that? to watch it. That's a... Pretty good. I, I've watched everything except the last 10 minutes. I fell asleep, but uh, the parts after that I enjoyed. It's being panned by critics, but there's a very weird thing about 
pedophilia in there that I the movie deals with very flippantly. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when we've all seen it. Uh, okay. it's, um, it's a it's a Duncan Jones joint, isn't it? It certainly is. And uh, oh, love that guy. My love preliminary guy. review of it, having not seen the end, is that the movie has no emotional weight whatsoever. The plot is not at all engaging in any fashion, uh, but it looks incredibly good. All of the little sci-fi design concepts they have for the world that they're in fucking rule. Uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, as a homosexual is absolutely delightful Uh, and there's some great banter in the film so uh, don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes listen to me watch the film mute Hmm. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't have sound that's true shut the fuck up for the (laughs) listeners Uh, I also watched a uh, recent Netflix movie I watched that uh, The Ritual horror movie oh ritual. i loved that i had a wonderful time watching that and i hate horror movies i'm very Me scared too, I, saw, I saw some saw some people uh dunking on that one and i was like get Why? fucked it's good no great it, mood. Was, it was great all the design choices the plotting yep. the soundtrack yep. the look fucking great oh. acting good little good little turns for character development the star Can't was that it. the fucking dude from the young guy from Shaun of the dead that says you've got red on you've you got red on you yep incredible yeah he's grown up isn't he oh he, I was going to stay he's never going to cock the accent that I had no idea what I was going to do and I just settled for oh <laughs> great great so nailed it you nailed that one I'm a now on this note folks on this note we have been looking um, at the possibility of doing we saw a little thing the other day that's like a a browser plugin that lets a whole bunch of people join a session and watch um, something on Netflix mm. all at the same time that'd be so much fun Hmm. A little so sleepover. We, yeah, we were thinking about doing like a little little sleepover movie night thing. Aww. Maybe having some sort of a like Discord voice chat thing going for for some of the old Bunta Vista cast folks, uh, and then a, a whole bunch of folks watching some some silly shit on Netflix all all at once. So uh, let us know if that sounds appealing to you, a listener. I don't know if the um, giving. Yeah, you know, creating a sword and an audience a direct line to dunk on me um, with no abstraction is a good <laughs> idea. But well, how about uh, you and I watch it together at my house, and I will simply feed what's happening through to to you, and I'll I'll censor out anything that would give you heart palpitations. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Yeah, I always look that out for you. Sounds good. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing we're going to investigate. Um, uh, so what what else we got Ben? Uh, so this is unrelated to Caroline Marcus thing. I just. Yeah, I'm looking at our whatever the fuck this new shit we're using to record our thing is, and pretty much every two minutes for the whole time we've been doing this, uh, Theo has muted and unmuted his audio. Yeah, what's I just going want on, to know, Theo? What's going on? Sneezes or farts? <laughs> Neither. Okay, for one. All right. So if you guys are on a conference call and you're not talking, what do you do with your phone? There's only one well, correct answer, by the way. Using it. I'm on Twitter. I'm on the tweets. Yeah, but you fucking you mute your line, right? Okay, so there's that. Um, but also, um, <laughs> do you? Um, you do, Sorry, you, Theo, I, Theo my answer to this question shit. is, my answer to this question, Theo, is it's, it is one of two things. I am either participating in the teleconference yes. or my phone is on mute for 100% of the teleconference. Those are the only two. 
Mm. Yes, I like to absolutely. I like to check in and out. Um, anyway, and and uh, it's, number good, it's good for the listeners to know that you've been checked out for approximately fifty percent of this. <laughs> no, show. I mean I mean vocally, so that when I so when I'm not talking, I'm muted, and then they don't get the sound of my cat yelling at the door. Yeah, all um, those squeaky farts against your leather chairs. <laughs> number two, um, I'm eating a Mexican beef bowl at the moment, um, oh, brought nice. in um, by my wife. Um, while my line was muted, okay. did you notice? Were your wife did you in dinner? Did you hear it? No, no, because my Didn't line was it. muted. What level of spice? We talking about that Mexican uh, beef? It's bowl? actually, it's actually a little spicy. Mm. Uh, I got some, got some chili in there. Um, it's mainly just the chili. Well, that'll certainly give a meal some spice. It's good. <laughs> oh, and also um, three. I have the loudest keyboard known to man. Yeah, yeah you've true, got one of those uh, steampunk mock Victorian <laughs> uh, physical keyboards that's actually steam powered. Yep, I call it the Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ridiculous keyboard. Uh, it's almost as loud as your mouse, Ben. Isn't that click, a loud mouse? Click, click, am click. I not, am I not the loud one anymore? Is it? Maybe it's me. Okay, maybe it well, is my mouse. Well, uh, it's because I'm using a laptop on a desk, right? So when I depress the click pad thing it's moving the whole ensemble everything's getting mm-hmm. moved it's reverberating yeah, i try and do my clicks in slow motion i'm very self-conscious about it <laughs> unbelievable hey uh should i play a little clip should i play a little clip of friend of the show caroline marcus uh, offering her opinion about australia day protests oh mm, i, I wish you that you would yeah uh it's only 17 seconds long folks what do you got somewhere to be <laughs> Geopolitical oh, understandings of a Sky News presenter. I don't want to be. I don't want to be um, sexist, but she just <laughs> sounds like a dumb bitch. Look, I'm just going to go ahead and answer her rhetorical question. It's not hypocritical. Uh, you yeah, have to be an, an idiot child uh, with a dumbass's understanding of the world to think that. Like, I don't even know what that was in relation to. I assume it was someone like looking at a flag wrong or something during an Australia Day protest. But or whatever it is, it's fucking nothing compared to, like, genocide and disposition of... the Dispossession, sorry, of, like, hundreds of thousands of people. Like, it's nothing. It's trifling. Yeah, just, Shut the just fuck the, up. Yeah, I mean, like, just the other day um, on 7 News, I think, they had a bunch of white presenters um all banned oh. like just bouncing ideas just spitballing Ooh, ideas off each other yeah. we're know. just asking um, questions we just we're just asking questions and uh <laughs> if they're not going to look after their kids maybe we should take them off them uh and, and yeah and go well that's you know uh institutionalized violence uh that's uh, why it's different you dumb piece of shit yeah i mean yeah obviously the fact that we're it is now 2018 i believe uh, and it is still happening, and that conversation is acceptable. I mean, obviously, they got a lot of pushback on it. They've now deleted it from social media, but I mean, their audience doesn't give a shit. The people that are actually watching it at the time that it aired were like, oh, this is pretty reasonable to talk about, you know? And it is only because of that violence that's still going on that that's acceptable. It's 
it's unfathomable to think that like the takeaway is like hey your objection to the violent invasion of australia is the concept of violence not the ramifications <laughs> uh so to wrap this up ben will you take us down to the last entry you have here in your fastidiously prepared notes oh i certainly will uh thank you so much for the compliment uh so this is caroline marcus in august 15th 2017 uh joining the lovely choir of dipshit voices uh whose position on same-sex marriage was essentially i love gay people i'm all for equality all of my values move me to support this absolutely because i love and cherish these people and i want to celebrate that and share this with them and i believe all australians are equal but if one faggot is rude to me, I'm going to stop holding this belief immediately. <laughs> uh, I've got some highlights here. Oh, just... Oh, okay. Uh, now, I say this as someone who is sympathetic to the same-sex marriage cause. Someone already mentally planning the outfits that'll be best to tear up the dance floor at the fabulous future weddings of her gay friends. But if the dirty tricks we've seen since the plebiscite was first tabled at the end of last year continue... Activists are almost sure to push many like me into the negative column. Uh, another good part here. It's this last point that gives me pause for thought. Even as an atheist and someone who has supported the gay community to the point of once dancing on a float at Mardi Gras, I personally know wonderful same-sex couples who are lovingly raising children, and the last thing I would wish to do is hurt them. Except you're still going to fucking do it, aren't you? All it would take is one person being mildly rude to you or telling Lyle Shelton to eat shit and you suddenly you just drop all of your principles, all of the empathy and love you have for the gay people that you know. You're just willing to drop it because this fucking culture war is more important to you than actual human relations and being generally a good person. Well, it's always strange when people sort of uh, try to defend the idea of civility politics of this idea that everybody has to be, you know, very, very nice to each other about everything. Um, with this sort of position by saying, ah, so, you know, I, I believe in all of this, everybody being nice to each other and nobody nobody discriminating and all that sort of stuff. I'm totally on board with it. Um, right up until the moment that somebody is rude to me, in which case I suddenly, seemingly very eagerly, will abandon that and then start doing all the discrimination. Like, it's it's it almost kind of makes it sound like their commitment to that idea um, was uh, tissue thin at best. Mm. And at the at the first example that they're able to take and use it as an excuse, they're like, oh, sweet, I can, I can throw off these shackles of being forced to act like I like these people. I can throw off the restraints of, um, you know, being, being forced to, you know, tread carefully, walk on eggshells around those people. It's uh, it's it's just incredibly self-serving more than anything else. And yeah. when you are talking about anything like a civil rights movement, equal rights, all that kind of thing, um, the idea that you can frame things like that from that perspective of, ah, well, I was totally on board. I was a loyal foot soldier to the moment, like right up until the moment that somebody like you know, just mildly upset me personally, and now I'm out. It's, kind of like, it's not really, it's not really how it works. It's not really supposed to be entirely about you personally. Yeah. And whether or not you've ever had your feelings hurt. And particularly in that context that she's discussing as well, that context is one of, 
you're talking about people who have spent, you know, like a, a lot of people who have spent a lifetime being discriminated against or treated poorly or abusively or violently uh, because of uh, because of their sexuality or their race or their gender or whatever it is. Um, and and it's just just the whole high and mighty attitude of like, oh, well, I was nice to you for five minutes and then you said something rude, so I'm out, I'm done. I quit the I quit the equality crusade. For me, it's like it's very it's very very similar to her saying, "Well, I'm a migrant," um, you know, and but you know, Pete Dutton is is right, blah blah, blah. <clears throat> because there's absolutely no self examination of the power that she wields. Um, you know, I think conservatives have no understanding whatsoever of the position of power that they sit in, where they can wield. Um, over over people's lives due to hurt feelings or whatever way the wind is blowing or what have you and they can't sit there and look oh well i can actually make this judgment because i've been given the power in this dog shit plebiscite or i've been given the power because um i was let in and you know it, it's it's very um nefarious to me that people would use that power over others because you're not there like dealing them niceties like you're being judged on MasterChef where the prize is basic human rights. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's very it's very similar to kind of... I don't know, to me it's very similar to the picture of like American civil rights, um, you know, in the middle of the 20th century where I'm sure there would have been a lot of people where essentially what they were saying was like, you know, part of the reason they were so mortified by people like Malcolm X was it was people being angry and saying, we're not going to take this shit from you anymore. And, you know, everybody pointed at Martin Luther King as like, oh, well, you need this nice, pleasant nonviolence and all that sort of stuff, unless you do a sit-in somewhere and actually impede us in any sense, and then it's suddenly really bad. But, I mean, um, even Martin Luther King was... He fucking hated that shit. He was like... Uh, uh, what's that quote? It's like... Even yeah, yeah the, the white moderate is the yeah. the worst threat to, to you know... Um, yeah, the rights of black people. Yeah, mm. and as um as his daughter said really recently, a lot of people very conveniently forget that when he died, he was the most hated man in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but anyway, my point was going to be that I think you you could draw those parallels to um, a lot of people who are perfectly happy to support, um, you know, what they see as equal rights, as long as the people that they're supporting are, you know, they're not. They're not uppity. They're not causing any trouble. They're not disrupting anything. It's like all the people who say that, you know, they support people's rights to protest as long as they don't, like, disrupt a business's operating hours or stop a tram from getting through or any of that sort of stuff, yeah. which is effectively the like saying... It's not protesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I absolutely support your right to protest as long as it is basically invisible to me and does not affect me in any way, shape or form. Uh, in which case, you're essentially saying, I do not support these rights at all. Uh, so we're going to leave it there, folks. We're going to stick a pin in that in the second installment of the Dipshit Dossier. Um, what we might do is run a little poll. might run a little poll for our patrons on um, who you would like us to cover for the next installment of this. Um, when we get around to the next one in uh, like six months or <laughs> however long it's been since we did the last one. Whenever it happens. Yeah. yeah when we run out of any other idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, um, we will be running that poll 
on Patreon. And if you like the show, you'd like some some extra material, some bonus episodes, all that kind of stuff, you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash Buenta Vista. Um, I'd like to give a, a little shout out to a friend of the show who can be found on Twitter at I am such a twit um, who sent us a lovely donation uh, today to support the show. Um, it was very, very nice of them. Big shout out to them. Um, and of course, big shout out to everybody else who has joined the show recently. We have some new wives. More wives. More wives. There's a goddamn Sharia law in here. It's out of control. And of course, all of these new uh, patrons have helped us cross the line on our new goal, which is um, to make some merch available. Yes. Yeah. I love merch. Might do some some shirts, some stickers. Could we get our faces on a t-shirt, like really stretched out, like the Marge Simpson one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, some totes, some tote bags, maybe. I don't know. A coffee mug. A, uh, oh, a stubby. Stubby, stubby holder. holder. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, we need a stubby yes. holder. Yes. So if you are a patron, um, I, I think I'll probably post some stuff up and see what kind of stuff people are interested in. Um, and then I will get to work on making that available to use. Uh, uh, so until then... Have we got a crime pass just before we go? Oh, we've got a crime pass. Um, um, can, I, can I give an opposite crime pass? Oh, wait, I do you have one just before we get to that. want to make something a crime? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so uh, recently, um, two two people were fired from the Bureau of Meteorology for running Bitcoin miners on uh, the Bureau's supercomputers. Mm. Um, now, of course, they were fired. Um, <laughs> Which I, I believe that that's switch. why Mount Stapleton rain radar went down. Right. That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Brisbane people know exactly what we're talking about. Um, the uh, but yeah no, no I think you know not only should they have been fired um, but they should also go to jail um, not for running it on the supercomputers um, although that is you know bad but but just for um, mining Bitcoin in the first place so yeah, absolutely we and I would like to extend that that anti crime pass to anybody who uses Bitcoin also, go straight to jail not turn even just into the cops the mining of Bitcoin any involvement in the use of Bitcoin. Mm. Going to jail. <laughs> and it is all on a publicly accessible ledger. So when I am um, emperor... Mm-hmm. Uh, so log into the blockchain and take everybody's names down. Absolutely. Mm. Well, there you have it, folks. For the next week, uh, if you hear of anyone associating uh, with the bastard currency known as Bitcoin, simply uh, inform a police officer that the opposite of a crime pass has been issued... <laughs> Uh, they must be sent to the deepest, mo- most lightless jail cell, uh, but for somewhere between a thousand and two thousand years. Hmm. Uh, and of course, don't forget to check out uh, Lucy over on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, promoting my Twitch. I love it. Hmm. It's don't really. Cross promotion. It's been it's a disaster. Stuff. It's been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to get on the Twitch and watch a live stream of Lucy uh, playing a video game or partially assembling an Ikea desk or, um, or struggling night. with tech support for yeah, hours. You can, you can give me tech support for an hour I don't know if how that's you, what you're into. How do you fail to assemble Ikea furniture? The instructions are there. 90% of the time, all of the pieces are there. They're generally... But there look, are no words, Ben. The exactly, holes are pre-drilled. There's no words. There's no words. And you have the to inch it. confusing. And maybe, maybe I'm a creative person. Maybe I oh. uh, can interpret a picture <laughs> in a variety of... <laughs> Creative manners. <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> 
Maybe I'm a sapiosexual. (laughs) So, folks, get on over to twitch.com forward slash Lucy Skywalker if you would like to um, just witness a disaster at some point. If you just watch, like to watch something just unfolding, um, a real tragedy. Our next Patreon tier is a Swedish tragedy. We buy her an IKEA desk every week. That's that's what you get if you keep donating money. That has been suggested on my on my Twitch stream many times. <laughs> that's what Lucy's purgatory is going to be. Just constant IKEA desk. They just they just keep coming. And you never get that's better it. at it. Go <laughs> oh on. Uh, Alright folks, we will see you uh, later on in the week over on the Patreon bonus episode, um, but if you don't feel like signing up for that, go to hell! We'll see you next week <laughs> on the next free one! Uh, we will be doing we're doing more, um, we're going to do more Reddit Reddit relationship chat Yes, which is Lucy's favourite It's my favourite yeah. So look forward to that folks and We'll see you then, bye bye Bye, bye. bye.